Welcome to the Food Junkies Podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. Welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. My name is Dr. Vera Tarman, and I'm your co-host today, along with Clarissa Kennedy. Today, we speak with Byron Katie. Byron Katie is best known for her method of self-inquiry called The Work which is a set of four simple questions designed to challenge destructive thought patterns that lead to depression, anxiety, and even addiction. After a spiritual epiphany in her early 40s, Byron Katie turned her life around from a mind bogged down with depression and addictive behaviors to one of joy and freedom. She formulated four simple questions in order to help others achieve the same freedom that she continues to experience to this day. Her questions, is it true? Is it absolutely true? How does it feel to believe that thought? Who would you be without that thought? She is author of a number of books, her first, Loving What Is, and A Thousand Names for Joy, Questioning Your Thinking, Change the World, Who Would You Be Without Your Story, A Mind at Home with Itself, How Asking Four Questions Can Free Your Mind, Open Your Heart, and Turn Your World Around, and check out her viral video, Prisoner of the Mind, which illustrates her work in action. In order to help people achieve this unique approach, Byron Katie has created the International, an organization that includes the School for the Work and the Turnaround House, both situated in Ojai, California. Byron Katie has been teaching her approach internationally since the 1990s and is a well-known figure in the spiritual and self-help realms across the world. We at Food Junkies are interested in how these questions and Byron Katie's approach in general can be used as tools to support the treatment of food addiction and especially in maintaining long-term recovery. So welcome, Byron Katie. (laughs) Thank you. All right. So you describe in, um, I know that you talk about it in the, the video and in your first book, your spiritual epiphany, which occurs at at the age of 43. And let me just read this because it's so beautiful. And then I'm going to ask you to tell us the story behind it. You say, I discovered that when I believed my thoughts, I suffered, but that when I didn't believe them, I didn't suffer. And that this is true for every human being. Freedom is as simple as that. I found that suffering is optional. I found joy within me that has never disappeared, not for a single moment. So tell us, how did you get to that epiphany and how has it affected you? Well, actually, I was asleep on the floor. I was so full of self-loathing, I didn't believe I even deserved a bed to sleep in, even though the bed was in the same room with me. So sleeping on the floor, one morning, a cockroach crawled over my foot. And before the ego had opportunity to, let's say, speak, I saw how my existence was created. I saw how my world, literally, I saw the cause of all suffering. I'll just say it that simply. And I saw, you know, a light coming through a window, but there was no name. The ego still had no control over it. It was, I watched it come into existence. And uh, then there was a wall and a ceiling and an eye. And then I began to laugh. That was the first sound 
and I saw again how the world was created. It was like I got the joke, but it wasn't so funny prior to that experience, I can tell you. (laughs) I got the joke. And so how have you, that's a great way to describe it. It's almost a Buddha statement right there. So how has that, has that made, have you maintained that ability to see the joke? Well, those uh, four questions um, are maintenance. And for example, let's say I'm walking down the street and there's someone I've never met in my life and there's a look on their face. And let's say my ego says, he thinks there's something wrong with me or he doesn't like me. Or let's say it's a woman, she thinks I'm too fat. You know, we're looking at eating disorders. Eating All eating disorders are thinking disorders. But whatever I think about that person, and it doesn't mean they even were aware they even passed me or I, we were even on the same sidewalk, but the ego will take it and it will do a story around it. And so the work is a way to identify that story write it down. I have a a worksheet with six questions on it. And um, we answer those six questions like, he doesn't care about me. And uh, we fill in those six questions. That would be number one. And uh, then we question them. And the first one would be, is it true? He doesn't care about me. Can I really know that it's true he doesn't care about me? And then I drop into like a stillness and I imagine myself there on the sidewalk again as I'm recalling it and notice how I react when I think the thought he doesn't care about me. So is it true he doesn't care about me? Can I really know that it's true? Those are the first two questions. And well, he didn't say so. And I can, I can see him again. He's not even looking at me necessarily. You know, when we walk, we're caught up in our own thoughts. And I've never seen him before in his life. And, and my ego would say, he doesn't care about me. And then notice how I react when I believe the thought. And notice how the ego takes on a kind of identity where we maybe were slumped and we... we changed our posture or we think we're too fat and we hold in our stomach. I mean, this is someone we've never met before in our life. We'll probably never see again or wouldn't recognize if we did. And the ego is running this. But notice this personality shift, this physical shift, this seeking love, approval, and appreciation. I mean, that is, that is, oh my goodness. It's like fodder for an eating disorder or alcoholism, any addiction. And then that last question, in that situation, who would I be without the thought he doesn't care about me? Then a whole world opens up. I can see, let's say in this situation, he's not even looking at me. Or if he is, I can't know that he even sees me. He could be deep, just deeply in thought. I wasn't the center of his universe. He didn't even say hello. I didn't, I'm not even... Would I be without it? You know, I could see where my steps are taking me. I could see how I see him. And do I care about him? Meaning emotionally, did I see him as an enemy? Did I, you know, I certainly didn't see him as a friend. I tried to alter myself, holding in my stomach, my shoulders straight, whatever, the smile, even though he's not looking. All of this, just all just believing the thought. He doesn't care about me, just 
for no cause other than the ego's attempt to be a physical identity that I see as myself. And then the turnarounds, he doesn't care about me. He does care about me. Well, let's see. Let me try that on. These turnarounds, we find opposites and we test them. He does care about me. Well, you know, never met him before. I, you know, I have, there's not much to ponder there. He does care about me. So I try on another turn. I don't care about him. And where is it that I wasn't caring about him? I was thinking for him. I was blind. I didn't even see him. I had to get still later to see out of fear, fearlessly, what he was really looking at. Because the fear of just passing someone on the street sometimes is just can be debilitating for an addict. So how do I react when I believe the thought? Looking back, okay, that's when I binged, that's when I this, that's when I that, and that's when the guilt begins, and it's all his fault. Now I don't want to go out on the streets, and now I have to weigh a certain amount before I can go out on the I mean, this, this is the life of ego, this false life, this false I at play, the painful experience of inability to know the difference between what is true and what is not true in our own lives. Now, the whole world can say, he doesn't care about you. You're right. But I want to know. And it's my, um, this is my life. Sitting in self-inquiry, I'm the only one that can give me these answers at the depth that um, eating disorders require or any kind of addiction. And, and if, if we're not addicted to anything, we're, we're addicted to this, this false eye of past future. And self-importance, right? Self-importance, the center of our universe. Yeah. I just had a quick question about the how you would react. So I just want to clarify, you're saying it is how do I react? It is my behaviors rather than how do it's, I react? It's, I'm it's, looking for reaction in my body. It's emotional. It's how do I react? I described it. You know, I see that meeting on the streets in that situation. I don't want to go out. I become agoraphobic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. It, we can take it that far. Um, isolate. Right. Or I, I binge. Diet. I binge. You know, yeah. it's, it's a dream that we can wake up from. We can identify the thoughts we're thinking and believing in any situation, and we can question them. And there is no other choice. We believe it or we question it, one or the other. And we can get a break from it, but, you know, it's like there are no new stressful thoughts, so we're not alone. You know, in, in every language in the world, there are no new stressful thoughts. You know, that what I call Judge Your Neighbor Worksheet, those six questions on the worksheet we fill in about what I was thinking and believing in any given situation. It's always free on the work.com. This is, you know, the key to ourselves is uh, not something you want to hoard for money. We were born free, and the ego, you know, has given us this identity. And it's, you know, I refer to life as earth school. 
Can I just go back? I asked you earlier, and you kind of alluded to for maintenance. So you, who I mean, this is your work, and yet I get the feeling that you have to continually, every day, continually apply these same questions. This isn't something that you can do, and now you're enlightened. Well, it's not something I have to do ever, and my ego would talk me out of it. And I experience, like, as I was describing to you, the, the man walking down the street, meeting the man walking toward me on the street. Now, today, it seems to me, and I don't know about the future, but so far, for more than three decades, I can meet anyone on the street and be at home. And that's our birthright. Freedom is our birthright. And to answer your question, anytime I experience myself as caught, it belongs on paper. That deserves some consideration where, again, freedom is our birthright. So, no, I don't hesitate. It, I have the privilege of working with so many people in my life. You know, I do that, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at home with Byron Katie event where people from all over the world come and we do self-inquiry. So I'm in the work to some degree, every day. So do I do the work? Yes, daily. And if I ever need it, it's a judge your neighbor worksheet. But the people I work with, I could write every worksheet they ever wrote. And so I'm sitting in my work. I'm always the student. And the people I work with, those are my teachers. I don't ever lose sight of that. And so grateful. So it's really what you believe is when you find a situation that is really, would you say is emotionally upsetting or you feel stuck, this is when you need to do the work. And so somebody starting out this practice, what would that look like for them? Is this like a sheet of paper they carry around all the time? I have a 99 cent app and it's right there. The worksheet is right there. And then how to do the work is right there. So it's available to everyone. And so for new people starting out, like how quickly do you find that just asking these simple questions can create that shift Mm -hmm. in their lives? Immediately. And the ego's job is just to swallow it up and offer up another one. I call, you know, I refer to it as unfinished business. It's not done till it's done here in earth school. You know, we were born free and we have, you know, this world is flawlessly beautiful and perfect. But what we are believing about this world could use a little inquiry, could use a little work. And so did you use these questions in your own addiction? And what, how, can you just share with our audience how they helped you and apply? Because that is probably going to be such a helpful takeaway for our listeners. Yeah. Well, you know, as close as the most help I could be would be in response to your question is I described with that fictitious man on the street. It's, um, you know, people don't go away. And with food addictions, you know, if you, let's say you said or did something that you feel guilty about, you feel guilty over, and it could be a little bit of guilt or it could be a lot of guilt. It doesn't matter. Let's say guilt combined with a diet that is not nutritious and balanced combined with... um. Probably shame if for a shame, 
what happens is it goes, let's, let's say guilt too, or shame. So let's say we're just, we're in our homes or at work or wherever, let's say in our homes and the ego offers up an event and we're just feeling shame and guilt. And what did they think of me? And I shouldn't have said it. And why did I do that? And, and they hurt my feelings, whatever it is, it's going on that just hit my head and I'm feeling shame over it. The next thing that hits my head is drug of choice. Well, let's say that is someone with an eating disorder. It could be anyone. It doesn't have to be an eating disorder. It can be just any human being. You know, let's say you're at home. So immediately you see maybe an image of something in the freezer in your mind's eye. So let's say, you know, I'll invite the two of you now and your audience to just imagine biting in right now, imagine biting into a a ripe, juicy yellow lemon. Just imagine biting into that. Did you feel something physical? That's power. That's the power of mind. So you didn't think, let's say it's ice cream in the freezer You didn't think, I think I'll eat some ice cream now when you were feeling shame. You felt it, and then the ego takes you on that trip, just like the man on the street that I pointed to earlier. So you see that situation where you said what you said, and and you did what you did, and you're feeling the shame, and it goes so far. And then that image of, let's say, ice cream in the freezer and it affects you the way the lemon just did. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's as though you're already, you know, for an addict, like, don't take the first drink. Well, you just did, and you experienced it. So we experience alcoholism, that's true alcoholism, or food addiction. So you, like, you take the first bite, you break abstinence, okay? Well, you just did. And that's for, for your audience, how it can be so difficult. So what do I do? I take that, what I was thinking and believing, and I move it to that judge your neighbor worksheet. I answer those six questions. Okay. okay. Let, there let's, is let's, my addiction on paper. Let's be um, really specific because using mm-hmm. sort of jumping on what you're doing. Let's say somebody is has a problem with night eating. They have to eat mm-hmm. at night. They are afraid to go to bed without having something or they wake up and yes. they are afraid they won't be able to sleep without eating. So there you are. There's their story. Now, what would you do if you put that on, on the judge your neighbor worksheet? Okay, let's say I can't sleep, I'm afraid to go to sleep, I'm a a night eater, and the food is in my head, and there's enough of it in my home, in my kitchen, to supply some of it. Like, some of us would get the car keys and half-dressed and do a drive-through, Mm-hmm. to fulfill that addiction running in our head. We can taste it, feel it. I mean, that's addiction. But we're imagining eating it from the past. And then we see, and, and that image in our head, like the lemon, we've already had the first bite, and we see the future where it is absolutely and we experience so that's the future so past future past future that's the eagles get the not now the not now and we live out of that dream 
So what do I suggest? Before, before that happened, my thoughts were about, and you know, I do shortcuts on this that aren't so shortcut. My thoughts were about mother, father, sister, brother, the people in our families, the people at work. He said or did, and what she thought of me, and what I said and did that I shouldn't have said and done, that's running through my head, and that is the cause of the addiction. So what do I do to answer your question? I experience the addiction, mm-hmm. the food it running through my head, and the physical that's already taken. That's why I can't sleep in that situation. So I go back to what was there prior? What was I thinking and believing just prior to that compulsive part of me that is about to take me to the refrigerator? It's usually something like, I'm afraid to go to sleep without some form of comfort. But what started it? The fear of sleep, of being alone at night. But what happened just prior to that that the ego doesn't want you to know about? Mother, father, sister, brother, people I work with, what someone said or did when I was five years old or 10 minutes ago. So that's what I put on paper. If I do the work on the addiction itself, the food itself, my ego's just going to love it. I still haven't gotten to the cause of suffering. And it is unfinished business. It's anything, any experience in my life that would involve a lack of forgiveness for that human being, for me, for the world. But what if I still can't think of something or someone or a relationship that caused this because maybe I'm just at the beginning of my journey and like I'm so like chemically addicted that it's really hard to see outside of it. Yeah. Well, you know, there there are so many beautiful things in the world we can do. Thank goodness. You know, uh, self-inquiry is it for me. But There's Overeaters Anonymous. There are people like you in the world that are our resources. There are, there's so many ways in the world, but really I don't give a flip. I'm going to the refrigerator. And then after the fact, maybe I can get in touch with the, what was I thinking and believing just before the craving? And that's what I worked. And, you know, that's the way that I know. Okay, so I'm gonna. I want to push this analogy. So I, you, you pressed me to look at what's underlying the craving. So probably in that night eater, if I think about myself, because that's a story that I had in the past, it was I don't deserve to sleep, or the universe won't let me sleep. Sleep is not allowed to me. So there's a story, and that's probably from mother, father, something. I would in my world, I dropped the probably. Okay. And so then how would I work with that? So I would go back and see, I'd go back and do what I could to get really still and identify what was the ego offering up? What part of my life was the ego offering up before the craving began? Okay. I don't deserve to sleep. There's this, there's, there's a thought. Now, what do you do with that? I would go behind that and see what's there. Mother, father, sister, brother, friend, partner, next door neighbor in other words people people in my life okay but i don't know what to do i I mean so i'm saying i don't you know it's an exercise in stillness the work is nothing more than an exercise in stillness 
and it's for people who really want to know the cause of all suffering and how would, you, how would you use those questions with that belief? You know, if I had the thought, I can't sleep. Yeah. You know, I want to go back to to what sounds really important. You know, your question. Um, yeah. Like I can't sleep. Okay. So I would. I'm unable to sleep. Is it true? Well, it's only true if I don't have food. <laughs> That's okay. the story I've told myself. <laughs> okay. So now the answer to the first two questions is either yes or no. Again, it's an exercise in stillness. Uh-huh. So you're unable yeah. to sleep. Well, let's try this one. You're unable to sleep. Would that be yours? Is that what you're asking? Uh, yeah, you... it has been in the past. But I would have to say that that's not 100% true because there were times when I did sleep without food. Now notice, because that answers the first two questions. Uh-huh. Is it true? Can I really know that it's true? So be there now in that situation. You know, I can't, without eating, I can't sleep. Or I can't sleep tonight. Okay. Notice how you react. What happens when you believe the thought? Notice what goes through your head. Complete anxiety. You see see the food in your mind's eye from the night before and the night before and the night before and the night before. And you don't, you know, it's you, you, and, and then you experience it like the lemon. Absolutely. And so you've taken the first bike as an addict. And then who would you be? In that same situation, you're in bed thinking the thought, I can't sleep tonight. Would you be without the thought, I can't sleep tonight? So that takes on stillness to experience the grace. The grace of the answer that meets that is sleep. Would I be without the thought, I can't sleep tonight? If you get still and wait, the next time you come aware, maybe the next morning. Uh-huh. And then you've lived the turnaround, I can't sleep, turned around, I can't sleep. I slept X amount of hours. Amazing. Or even if it's just 10 minutes. Mm. It's not true, I slept for 10 minutes. That's true, yeah. Usually people will say they can sleep for 10 minutes, and then they'll complain and say that's not enough, but it's true. Yeah, and then to do the next one, I have a worksheet for that. I call it the one belief at a time worksheet. And all, you know, there are three worksheets on the work.com on the homepage, always free. And you just click it and there they are. And also we have a helpline. We don't charge for it. People from so many languages all over the world can just go there and, and we just support you until you can support yourself and just self-inquiry. So somebody could actually phone one of those numbers like late yeah. at night and say, I yeah. need some help here? Yeah. Wow. And I would ask uh, if it interests your listeners to um, fill in a Judge Your Neighbor worksheet first hmm. or have one available, print one. You just you don't have to sign up for any kind of mailing. You just hit print and you get it. There's no, you just print it and then call the helpline that's helpful, but not required. Okay. Can we do another question? Sure. Yeah. This is the food pusher. You go somewhere, you know you can't eat particular foods, just like you can't drink, but they say it's Christmas and I made you this thing and you have to eat it. And so we mentioned guilt. You don't, you say, I can't say no. So the thought is I can't say no because 
then they'll be okay so you be my family and we've all for years this is the tradition this is what we've always done and it's dessert time let's say and and so now they're passing out the what kind of pie is it or (laughs) dessert okay so try to talk me into that piece of traditional pie i made this just for you because i love you and you it's your favorite oh my goodness thank you love this stuff oh thank you so much and no but why not i made it for you oh that is so dear and no where's okay there's just no way to get around me i'm clear Uh so it's and this goes for the inability to express or communicate an honest no, who knows what kind of addiction that sets off. We're lying to ourselves, we're lying to others, we're just so out of touch, and then guilt. So to get in touch with our honest no's, our honest yes is an honest no's, and then occasionally there'll be a don't know. Like if I might say to you around the pie, Example again, you know, ask me later. It could be I change my mind, and for now, no. Mm-hmm. I love you and care about you. I appreciate that you made this just for me, and no. And then it probably would be like, why are you on a diet? You can just have mm-hmm. one. This is something that you've always loved. Like, why aren't you part eating with us? I know. It's it's crazy, isn't it? Oh my gosh. And please pass the salt and pepper, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, enjoy what I can eat. All right. Now that's, you're very good at that. I'm not so good at that. So if I uh, go into that environment, I still have the story in my head. This person will not hate me, but they'll be so hurt, so disappointed that I can't say no. Can we use the inquiry method there? Well, yeah, those that's mother, father, sister, brother, friends, relatives. Those are the worksheets that I've been pointing to in our time together. Yeah. They're the cause of addiction. You know, we eat to make people happy and we don't even wonder why it doesn't work. We really don't expect it to. Can you work us through it so that our audience can hear how it would work? Uh, For example, like scenario. So the scenario is, I can't say no. I'm going to Christmas Eve tonight, and I don't know how I'm going to say no. I know this person's going to offer me alcohol and food, and I don't want to disappoint them because they spent hours preparing for me. Mm -hmm. So I would write a worksheet on that person I can't say no to. Exactly. Yeah. So it would be, she'll be disappointed and not like me. Yeah. I'm really, I get in touch with the emotion. I'm really frightened. Yes. I'm really frightened that I would disappoint my mother Yes, if I say no to her cooking. Okay. Now, how can I use the work with that? Yes, that's exactly it. And so number one on the worksheet, it would be my mother's feelings will be hurt yes. if I say no to her. Yes. My mother's feelings will be crushed, devastated. Yes. If I say no to her. Good. Exactly. And then you move to two on that judge and neighbor worksheet. What do you want in that situation? What do you want from her? What do you want her to think, say, feel, or do? Imagine yourself there. And if you say no, she's going to be crushed. What do you want? What do you want your mother to think, say, feel, or do? I want her to say, it's okay. I love you anyway. 
Okay, so write that down on number two. Okay. Okay, the next one is advice. Number three is advice. So in that situation, what my mother should or my mother shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So how would you fill that in? You're in the situation. You're imagining yourself oh, there. My mother My I, mother should let if me. If I say no, you know. Yeah. My mother should. My mother shouldn't. My mother should still love me, even if I say no. That's what I want. Okay, so you write that down. My mother yeah. should. My mother should what? Still love me, even my if mother, I refuse. My mother should it. still love me. Yeah. Okay. And anything else around advice in that situation? Advice for your mother? No, I think that would be. That's all I would okay. want. So then, so then I would move from advice to next is the needs, right? So in order for, no, yeah. What do you need to be happy in that situation? Thank you for that. I don't absolutely. So to be happy in that situation with your mother, when you want her to love you anyway and understand, yeah. um, What do you need her to think, say, feel, or do for you to be happy? To say it's okay, Vera. I need my mother to say, comma, quote, it's okay, Vera. Yeah. Okay. Now you move to the next one. In that situation, my mother is, now go back. If I say no, my mother is. Disappointing, crushed, devastated. Yeah. And then the last one, what is it about that situation with that person you never want to experience again? Her disappointment. Yeah, I never want to experience my mother's disappointment again. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's your worksheet. And then every sentence there, you question. Uh, that's really still. And you do self-inquiry with every statement on the worksheet. Uh-huh. If you say no, your mother will be disappointed in you. Is it true? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I'd have to say not all the time. (laughs) No, it's a yes or a no. Right. Really? There's no in between, eh? No, no. The answer is either yes or no. So it's an exercise. Again, it's an exercise in stillness. And no one can give you these answers. This is self, self self-realization. So let's say your answer is yes. Yes, it's true. She'll be disappointed. And you've said in it, you've queried it, you're still at a yes. So you're at a yes. So then you move to the next question. How do you react in that situation when you think the thought, my mother is disappointed, my mother will be disappointed? Well, I would feel powerless, powerless and sad. But there's more. Notice your attitude. Notice your body language. Notice your mother's disappointed. You said no. Yeah. I guess I feel hurt. And what else? What would you say? What would you do? That That's a big question. How do you react? What happens when you believe the thought? If I say no, my mother would be disappointed. Hmm. I'd feel like I have to give in and eat something <laughs> in order to keep her approval. So you'd manipulate mm-hmm. your mother. Yeah. Not right or wrong, just notice you know, our patterns when we're believing the thought. You would gain weight for your mother. You would break your abstinence for your mother. You'd uh, live yeah. your mother so she doesn't have to be disappointed. So you'd live a life of disappointment. Yeah, 
I, that's exactly, I would, I think you hit it right on the head. That's exactly what's happened in the past. So <laughs> my mother is disappointed because I said no. So now imagine yourself there. You're saying no. Would you be without the thought she'd be disappointed? Uh, well, just just say no and watch her be disappointed. Uh-huh. Just be there. Witness. You've seen siblings disappointed before. You've seen if you have any, and you've seen people. You've seen your mother disappointed. She didn't die. No, but I so, feel terror. So, I feel terrified. Yeah, yeah. So you feel terrified. You know, would you be without the thought? My mother will be disappointed. Now watch her. Just watch. You say no and watch your mother. Just watch your mother be disappointed because you said no. Yeah. It's like living out your worst nightmare. And, it, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and watch it. Look at her. Notice how quickly she gets over it. Byron Katie, she, she gave me life. She gave me 30, 40, 50 years of life. How can I say no to that? Well, I'm not asking you to. It's not, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I worked on my own mother and, and uh, yeah, and we have so much in common in that area. And I imagine your listeners too. Mm-hmm. It's not mother, it's someone else in our lives. Oh, a partner. Yeah. Yeah. But my mother did not. She did not fall apart. And I lived it so many times that she just took for granted. I was, you know, I am as comfortable with my yeses as I am my no's. Mm-hmm. Because you're able to question, you're able to question the paranoid thoughts that the ego gives when you say no. So you know your mother just you know, just turned on the food and, and in other words, sit in that fourth question right now. Who huh. would you be when she offers you food without the thought she'll be devastated? Oh, so yeah. watch her. Yeah. You've said no to food. Who'd you be without the thought she'll be devastated? So knowing her, witness. Mm-hmm. Knowing your mom, witness. How, notice how long does it last? And is she disappointed at all? Or is she just the shtick the two of you have going, a way of communicating, being intimate and giving and taking? And, you know, it's just a kind of lovemaking, even though there's terror in it. Yes. (laughs) But look at her. Does she die? Does it really wound her? Does she even care? She doesn't care. No, No, it, it probably passes. I dropped the probably and just be there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, you know, those are words for just continue to be still in it. Mm-hmm. And ask those questions. Yeah. And yeah. notice how there's no appetite in it. Yeah. You know, you're being filled with self-realization. So just, just for our listeners, so it's filling out that worksheet, which essentially lines out all the levels of the problem, I guess. What we're thinking and, and believing, yes. what we're thinking and believing in any situation. All the different levels, and then you apply those four well, not different levels, you, you just anchor there. You know, I could see you at that table with your mother, yeah. and I saw you both standing. It was afterward. It was something special that she really wanted you to have, like the pie she was bringing to the, I don't know, but anchor there. And I saw your mom holding it to you and offering it to you, and, uh. and oh, you know, it's good for you, all, all kinds of scenarios I could see. And I saw you 
loving, looking into your mother's eyes and say, oh my goodness, mom, you are amazing. And no, Mm -hmm. it blows my mind how much you love me and keep track of my favorite foods. You are amazing. And no, not now. I wouldn't even, I don't even add the not now. People know me. I'm just my children, my but it's so gentle, and it's it's lovemaking, literally. It's being in touch with one's own self, one's own integrity, and knowing the language for that. Well, it's so interesting that you're identifying what is often a very tense situation as a form of lovemaking. Like, it's a very interesting way to turn that around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really, it's one of your turnarounds, isn't it? She doesn't, yeah. she won't love me. She will love me. I yeah. I will love her. Or, or, yeah. And and she'll be disappointed if I say no. There's another turnaround. She'll be disappointed if I say yes. Huh. So just get still in that. I mean, how much food do we have to eat to make, to keep their minds healthy while ours is running amok <laughs> in the fear and terror department? And it's, pure imagination it's the egos it's a trickster i see the ego as a terrified child you know just fighting to be a physical eye you know because ego is a, a state of mind you can't touch it it's 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 nothing it's but yeah. and at the same time it's our identity we really like right now you believe you even oh States of mind, you have no proof anything I remembered ever happened other than what I'm thinking and believing. And you know, my, my siblings would agree, yes, it happened, and, and we're all in the same dream. And I'm, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm just quietly in my own work. Uh-huh. Nothing to prove. The way, the, the, way to that you, the way that you describe the ego is how we describe the addict mind, you know, the trickster. Mm. It's a great analogy. I'm just wondering, thank you so much for giving an illustration of how mm-hmm. the work would apply. Can you tell us a little bit about your work, like the, the school, the school, the... Um, the, uh, the school for the work, um, yeah. it's always a nine-day school, but I'm about to do one in Ojai, I think maybe September, a five-day school for the work, so more people can, you know, it's easier. Five days are easier than nine days for so many of us. It's that's a lot of work to take off or family to be away from for that long. So in September, and we we literally work with addiction and relationships and mother, father, sister, brother, and love, approval, and appreciation. And oh my goodness, it, it just goes on and on, the cause of all suffering, basically, and how to question it. And then you do that. You mentioned it a few minutes ago. You do some virtual work, like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays from nine to ten a.m. Pacific time, and people come. They tune in from all over the world, and we just sit together in self inquiry, the way we just experience you. Only I'm not teaching it. I'm just I, I pose the questions, and the people I work with, they filled in a worksheet. And all of us sit in the worksheet and we come to experience that there are no new stressful thoughts. They're all recycled in every language in the world. So when I'm doing the work with someone, we're all in it together. No new stressful thoughts. So we're all just, you know, waking up and 
to ourselves and becoming kinder, caring, more awake, alert human beings. Okay. Have you had any in your work, any obstacles, people's reactions to your work in some sort of negative way or just, I don't know. No, because it's self-inquiry. There's no teaching in it. It's like we're each our own students, you know, then, you know, I'm a student always, and I'm not passing on a philosophy. I'm not passing on how to live. I'm not teaching. I share experience the way I'm doing here with the three of us, but no, I have nothing to teach. What's your biggest challenge working with people? A closed mind. Hmm. Yeah. And it's a defense. It's it's like your mother would be disappointed. Let's say your answer was yes, and I tried to convince you of a no. I would not be a facilitator. I'd be a pusher. So I'm busy doing my own work each time. But then I'd say, I give like the second question, absolutely know that it's true. And they go, yes. And I go, how do you react when you believe the thought? And da, 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 it's a big problem. Da, 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 da. And who would you be without the thought? Well, I would be. Da, da, da. In other words, their mind is so closed. They're not in, and it's not their fault. Yeah, I've, I've experienced you know, working with them. Well, yeah. yeah, we're going into some deep, deep stuff. And the ego would say, you're guilty, guilty, guilty. You know, if you answered the question, I mean, you know, you can, but it's, you know, the terror of the ego losing control, just expect it. And that's why it takes, you know, self-love to sit in this and a fearlessness until we understand that nothing but good comes of it. I'm so wondering, Byron, just how you rein in the ego when so much of the world sees you as a guru and lifts you up in that way? Well, I say, you know, if there are, if, if there are, let's say there are 5,000 people in the world, there are 5,000 different Byron Katie's. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's enough that I am self-aware and then I wouldn't attempt to change anyone's mind about who their Byron Katie is. It's just simply not me. And and any feedback I get in those areas are something for me to consider because they could be right. And it wakes me up to something maybe that I'm in error of that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. So if I get compliments, I'm good with that. It tells me they're having a, they have a really beautiful mind, but it's not personal with me and someone that hates me. You know, it's a, if I were to experience that, then where's my compassion? It's horrible. That state of mind when we hate, it's a painful, painful existence. So if someone is hating on me, then, then do I understand? Because if I believed what they believed, I'd hate me too. <laughs> so there's nothing I don't have in common with with um, that I'm aware of. So you've learned not to take that personally, the hate. And similarly, how, but how could I yeah. take it personally? When, <laughs> when I consider what they're thinking and believing about me, how could they not? Yeah. And similarly, you do the same when people hold you in very high esteem. The same. The same. Wow. But when a person is um, holding me in high esteem, I'm happy for them. It has nothing to do with me. That's their state of mind, and that's a blessing. 
So I'm wondering, Byron, I know the work.com is a great place for people to connect with your free downloads and everything. Is there anywhere else that our listeners can look to connect with you? Well, the, you know, the, the books, the new um, revised edition of Loving What Is. And, it's a great book, uh, folks. you got to read it. The body of works in it and, and a lot about my life and prior to the work and, and after. Yeah, that, you know, I started that 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time event on just immediately when they shut us down in California from having, you know, being um, so many people in a, in a group with, with COVID. And so my team and I, we just turned it out and it, it's just been such a blessing. So no one has to, to um, be without, you know, how to do the work. So they become, it's quite a community, this community of the world, just sitting in self-inquiry. Everyone welcome. Yeah, and that's, you have podcasts, right? That is the recording of those. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a, what is it, Being With Byron Katie podcast? Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, so we also have a signature question for our guests, and we've reworked it for you, and it is, if you could tell a younger version of yourself something about the work, what would it be? Maybe before you had your spiritual awakening. Well, it would be something that I would not have the ability to believe, but I would tell myself that there's a cause for all suffering and a way to end it. And the work is a way to identify and question the thoughts that cause all suffering in our world. And my mind was so closed that it wouldn't be able to hear what could be seen as a higher self. Lovely. Thank you so much, Byron Katie. For folks listening, Loving What Is is a must-read book, and now there's another edition coming out. And find more work about Byron Katie on thework.com. Thank you so much for being available for us on this oh, podcast. It's just it's such a privilege, and thank you for again for inviting me, and thank you for your good work. Thanks, Byron. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.